Hi everybody, Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Uh, just a couple of things before I start. One is, uh, it's great joy to be able to come and preach to you and bring the Word of God to you tonight, whether you're in the room or whether you're online in one shape or form or another. And just before I start, I just want to honour uh, Mike and Jenny, your pastors. You've got some quality leadership in your church, and I think you should give them a round of applause, even though they're not in the room. If I wasn't a pastor, I'd want to sit under them. Okay, so I think you've got a tremendous um, quality people there. And lastly, I just want to give you uh, a thanks as a community for looking after my kids and, um, and uh, supporting them in this stage of their life. It's just a, a great joy for you to embrace <coughs> Tim and Ash and Judah and Ollie in this season. So as we come to God's word, let's pray. Come Holy Spirit and meet us where we're at right now. We want more of you, Lord, and less of us. We want, Lord, to hear from you, to know that you are God, know that you love us. We want to know your goodness and your favour and your mercy upon our lives right now. And God, will you just move in this room in such a beautiful way tonight that we'll see people set free from the things that hinder them. Lord, whether it's physical, spiritual or emotional, Lord, only you can do the things that we're going to be talking about tonight. So we give you praise and honour and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, for me, this journey of healing, and I know that you're doing a Holy Spirit sort of weekend, not weekend, but a series on it, I started quite a long time ago when I was in a theological college when I was training to be a minister. And in a part of a pastoral care course, I was, I was sitting there and God broke my heart for people with mental health issues. I, I, was, I was sitting in the class, I can still remember it clear as day, and I just broke down and wept, which is not something I normally do. Broke down and wept because I saw... People who were trapped by mental health issues and I couldn't see anyone proclaiming the gospel in such a way that brought freedom. And God did something in my heart there to set me on a journey to desire to see the gospel manifest itself in such a way that people could be set free. And so I've been on that journey ever since. And, uh, and the other defining moment for me, and when I said I'm not, uh, I might not cry, but I probably will in this story, uh, was my, um, it was what happened to my 11-year-old daughter. We just moved to Gawler and um, she was trying to make some new friends and, and uh, as she was uh, doing that, she came home one day and said, Dad, can I have a sleepover at my friend's place? We'd been there a couple of weeks. We wanted her to make friends, so we said, sure. 
And so she stayed the night and we'd get a phone call in the morning and says, can you pick me up? And so Kelly went and picked her up and uh, we'd found out that the family that had hosted her had been playing uh, R-rated movies all night and uh, something had happened to her. The fact that she got a stomachache and a stomachache that stayed with her for seven years. And she had probes and, <laughs> and doctors and specialists. And I'm sitting there for seven years going, God, will you heal my daughter? And the best that the doctors could do was tell her that it was psychosomatic, which basically is a fancy term with it's all in your head, you're making it up. And as I'm sitting there and I'm watching my daughter night after night, as I'm praying with my daughter night after night. Uh, something, um, something went through me to say, I've got to get a handle on what God does in the area of, of healing. Now, the breakthrough for me and I'm going to share this with you, you're going to find it astounding, okay? The breakthrough for me in coming to terms with the fact that God is a healing God was to realise that God is a healing God. Seriously. To realise that that is God's business is not something that we talk about enough or not that we expect it from God. But when we look at Scripture, we see that all the way through Scripture, God is a healing God. Even in the Old Testament, there are stories of God healing. The prophet Elijah came upon a widow whose son was dead. And he went and he stretched himself out over him. I think there might be some laws against that now. But stretched himself out over him. And breathed in him and the breath of God came back into him and he was raised from the dead. There's a story of Elisha who had a foreigner, a general from a foreign army come with leprosy. And God used Elijah to heal him. Go wash yourself in the Jordan seven times. And eventually after some mucking around, he did and he became healed. And all those things are a foreshadow to Jesus and the fact that Jesus is someone who continued to go around and proclaim the kingdom of God, not just in word, but in healing and the casting out of evil spirits. There are time and time, and we're going to touch on a whole lot of stories today, but he he came and he showed that he had authority over sickness. He had authority over unclean spirits. And, and the, there was nothing that was too big for him. So we're going to start with some scripture. This is where we're going to anchor ourselves. And then I'm just going to tell you a whole lot of stories. Now, if you've been in church for a while, you'll know them. If you haven't, start Googling. You'll find them. All right. So... Uh, this is what we're going to go from Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, at the very end of that chapter, verse 35, and through 
to chapter 10, and I'm getting old, so I need to take off my glasses. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, that we're all very comfortable with, and healing every disease and sickness. Now, I looked at the the Greek for what the word every means. You know what I'm going to say. It means every. (laughs) Just to make sure. And when he saw uh, the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. What were they harassed and helpless in? Sickness. They were lost, they were captive, they were bound in sickness. And he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And then chapter 10 rolls over where he sends out the, 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 um, the workers into the harvest. He goes on to this. He called his 12 disciples to get um, to him, sorry, and gave them the authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal, there's that Greek word again, every disease and sickness. What do you do with the word every? What do you do with that word? That, Jesus, that is used there to say that there is not one. It's not some. It's not the occasional one. It's every. And God's kingdom comes through Jesus, not just in word, but with power and demonstration over evil spirits and diseases. And I love this because it centres us on the fact that God is a healing God. And when we realise that God is a healing God, we realised we realized that our excuses have to face that reality. So not only can you say, oh, that was just Jesus, because Mike preached last week of the first miracle after the disciples had got the Holy Spirit, and what was it? It was a healing. Peter and John were on the way to the temple and a guy rattled the can and said, give me some money. And silver and gold have I none. You're too young. And it's a children's song from the 80s. I realised that I'm old. So but what I give to you, get up and walk. And so even the first miracle from the disciples was a healing miracle. So we can't even say, well, that was just for Jesus. We've got to come face to face with the reality that God is a healing God. And when we come face to face with the reality that God is a healing God, 
We've got to come to the reality that we, we can't use the excuses that we've heard from time and time. Maybe God doesn't do that anymore. Or maybe God doesn't want me to be healed. Or maybe God is not interested in me. Because when we realise that God is a healing God, it flies in the face of that. And scripture testifies. It testifies the fact that God wants to, that God sees it as his kingdom breaking through into this evil and broken world. That he wants to see more workers go out into the harvest field, healing the brokenness of the heart, the mind, the body and the spirit. God is a healing God. And scripture bears it out. And even as we look at it as in the, in the whole realm of spiritual gifts, we see that healing is one of the spiritual gifts. So God obviously wants us to keep on doing it. Just as much as he wants us to prophesy, just as much as he wants us to have words of knowledge for people, just as much as he wants you to speak in tongues, God wants you to use a gift of healing for those around you. But you've got to come to the understanding that God is a healing God. And that's what scripture bears out. You know what, I don't even think that healing is the hardest spiritual gift out of all the spiritual gifts. I reckon out of all the spiritual gifts, you've got speaking in tongues down the bottom. <laughs> Paul kind of says that, doesn't he, in Corinthians? Yeah. Tongues, yeah, it's nice. It's down the bottom. You know what, which one I put second? Healing. Does that shock you? Why do I do that? Well, it's because there's this story in Scripture where we see Jesus going back to his hometown. And he goes, oh, a prophet is without honour in his hometown. And he says, and Jesus tried to do the, some miracles, but all he could do was heal some people. <laughs> so no faith for anything else. But I can do some healing. How low down the pecking order do you have to be that nobody has faith in you, but healing can still happen? <laughs> Tongues. Healing. And I think it's far more accessible for us to be people who pray for healing and to step into healing than what we give it credit for. What we can think is something really difficult is not dif difficult if we realise that God is a healing God. Let me tell you a little bit of secret about spiritual gifts. Am I allowed to talk about Harry Potter in this room? Is that all right? <laughs> well, you know, you know how in Harry Potter it, it is the wand who chooses the wizard. Sometimes we think that the spiritual gifts choose us. And it's not that, it's more like the sorting hat. <laughs> that you get a choice. 
kind of what you want to do. So what do I mean by that? When you've got the list of the spiritual gifts, if there is a spiritual gift that you go on there and there's something in your heart that says, I really like that, then ask God for it. He takes it into account. Okay? And if you would like the, the, the gift of healing, then ask him for it. Pray for it. And this is what I know will happen to you. You'll go, God, thank you for the gift of healing. I'm going to believe. And then you're going to pray for people for about three years and not see one person healed. All the great healers, all the people that have been used by God, um, John Wesley, uh, John Wimber, obviously anyone called John, <laughs> um, will all have this story that they were seeking the gift of being able to pray for healing for people and they didn't see any healings happen for about three years. John Wimbers is a great story. He was pursuing God and pursuing God for it and, and nothing was happening. And he says, oh, well, God, obviously you don't want me to have this gift. And just as he prayed that prayer, one of his elders rang him up and said, my wife is sick, will you come over and pray with her? And so begrudgingly, he walks over there, just slaps his hand on her head and says, be healed in Jesus' name and walks out the room. Goes out the front of the house and his elder runs out after him and says, my wife has been healed. And he goes, oh my goodness. I didn't even try that. And that's the point. You see, when we realise that it is God who's doing the healing and it's not us. It takes about three years for us to get ourselves out of the picture. When, when we get to the point where we prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing's happened, we know it can only happen through God. And we've got to have that kind of that breaking of our heart where we realise that I bring absolutely nothing to the table other than being God's instrument for that period of time or that um, for that moment. And every person who has got a gift of healing comes to that realisation. God is a healing God. And everyone who has the gift of healing has faith not in their ability to be used by God, but in God's ability to heal. And they put trust and faith in that. Because what I've found, and maybe you found this at all, but a lot of Christians give up on praying for healing. Because they get to 18 months and go, I've prayed for many people and nothing's happened. And they've just got to realise they've got another 18 months to go. <laughs> a lot of Christians give up and, and form a theology that God's not a healing God because they're not seeing God heal the way that they think God should heal. And they give up, and they give up too soon. But when our faith is not in our ability, not in our gifting, but in who God is, boy, we're on the right track. Boy, we start to, to realise that God is the one, and so we don't need to protect God when he doesn't heal. We don't need to... Uh, make all kinds of excuses because if the reality is God is a healing God, then God is a healing God and God will do what God wants to do. Amen? Yeah. 
So there's a couple of things before I give you the meat. That's just the introduction, by the way. Um, I normally take four weeks to preach on healing. You're not going to get all four weeks tonight, but if, you know. Anyway, there's a couple of things that you need to understand if you're going to go down this track of healing. Firstly, if you're going to have a theology that God is a healing God, then you're also going to have a, a, uh, a biblical understanding about God and suffering. You can't have a, a theology of healing without having a theology of suffering. Because God, I know you probably don't want to hear that, is not afraid of your suffering. It's just not. Romans 5 puts it really beautiful that, that suffering brings endurance and endurance breeds character. And so God is not afraid to leave people in the mire and in their sickness if he can see that it's going to produce something beautiful in them once they finally surrender, once they finally give up, once they finally are able to let go and let God. God's just not afraid of suffering. And, and, you know, seven years I sat by my daughter's bed. I wish it was seven days. I would have taken seven weeks. Actually, in a punch, I probably would have taken seven months over seven years. But when we realise that God is a God who sees a bigger picture, God is not afraid of suffering, God's not afraid of death. Because death is not the end. Then we can let let go of the fact that God is is not meeting our needs quick enough. My God, why can't you heal this right now? God, I've had enough. They're all very good questions that you can ask God as long as you're prepared to surrender to the answer. Remember the story when Jesus was going to heal Jairus' daughter of a woman who comes up and touches the hem of Jesus' cloak? Been bleeding for 12 years. Been unclean for 12 years. Been an outcast for 12 years. She would have taken 12 months. She would have taken 12 days, 12 12 years, until Jesus' power came and healed her. 12 years of suffering, 12 years of turmoil. You can't can't not believe in a healing God and realise that God is okay with suffering if it's producing the character and the questions and the perseverance that he wants to bring into people's lives. And then this woman, in an act of desperation, an act of faith, reaches out her hand to touch the cloak. And the power is released from Jesus. There's no prayer. There's no ministry. 
There's just an act of faith. And God's spirit is released. And she knows instantly that she is healed. So if you're sick today, you know, maybe you even turned up here because you think I'm something special, which I'm not. My kids can attest to that. Maybe you've got some sickness in your life and you've been praying for a long time. Don't stop praying. Maybe you've got some, some mental health issues in your life and you're sick of them and, and, and you're, you're wondering if anything is ever going to be different. Don't stop praying. Don't stop seeking prayer. Don't stop going to God and asking God to do something different. There's a passage that Paul writes about the fawn in the flesh. Do you remember that passage? Where, where Paul has some kind of sickness and he goes, I pray three times that God would take it away. And then God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And we abuse the heck out of that verse when it comes to healing. This is what I know. I've got a friend who's got cerebral palsy. Really hard to understand him half the time. It takes me about half an hour to get my ear in to be able to hear what he's saying every time we catch up. And he goes, Barry, I don't want people to heal for me. I, want to, I don't want people to pray for my healing. I'm sick of strangers coming up and saying, get up and walk. Because, because he says, I'm really comfortable with who I am and what I am. And I would say, therefore, God's grace is sufficient for him. So if there is something stirring deep inside of you to say, this is not right, this is not what God wants, then keep pursuing God for your healing. And if the word of God comes to you and says enough, stop it, then stop it. Who are you to argue with the word of God? But I can guarantee you that is very um, slim in its chances of happening. Keep pursuing God and keep seeking God for what God wants to do in you. Keep on asking. So my daughter, stomach issues, around about 15, she stops telling Kelly and I that she's in pain. And we just think it's gone. We're at a youth, a, a young adults camp at my church at the time. And we're praying for the Holy Spirit, for people to hear the voice of God, that God will do a work. And in the middle of that sort of prayer time, my daughter turns to me and says, Dad, I... I can't hear God. Something rose inside of me and it caused a lot of commotion at the time. But I, but I started praying for her and started casting out the, whatever was bringing her that pain in her stomach. Prayed for about half an hour. She vomited everywhere, mostly into a bin. And from that point onwards, she never had pain in her stomach again. But I couldn't have done that seven years earlier. Couldn't have even done that five years earlier. There's something about the timing of God that it was the right time and the right place for God to do the work to bring her healing. 
in her life. So, let's round the corner, giving you kind of a picture, a, 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 um, a theology of the fact that God is a healing God. So how do we pray for people for healing? You want some practical points, don't you? I can tell. You look like people who want to pray for people for healing. Well, there's, there's a couple of things that I've been made aware of. One is, is that we um, really have three parts to us who are interrelated, the the, the emotional soul part of us, the spiritual part and the physical part, they all interact with each other. But when you're praying for healing, you've got to know which one God wants you to pray for for healing. Because you can't pray for an emotional healing the same way you pray for a physical healing. And you can't pray for a physical healing the same way that you would pray for someone who has spiritual Issue. So I'm going to just give you a very brief sort of summary, a very brief sort of overview of how to pray for these three different spheres. But ultimately what you need to do if you're praying for someone for healing is you've got to be hearing the voice of God and know which one's which. So the first one is physical. So physical means that there, there really is no emotional connection or spiritual connection it's like the woman who touched the cloak. It's like the one where Jesus goes past and there's some blind people. It's actually in the, the verses before that. The blind and mute people and, and there's no issues whatsoever. He just puts his hands on them. He commands them to be well and they are well. In fact, there's, there's a story that I love where, where um, the disciples are quizzing uh, Jesus about a blind man that is healed and he says... Jesus, was this person blind because of his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus said, neither. He's just blind so he can bring glory to God. So he's been blind all his life to that point to have that divine encounter to Jesus. So it will be a testimony to the early church. And so there's just physical healing. It's got no baggage attached to it. You fall down, you break your knee, you pray for physical healing. And this is what you'll see in Scripture. Nowhere in Scripture do you see Jesus asking God to heal a physical sickness. Do I, do I need to say that again? Nowhere in Scripture do you, say, do you see Jesus asking God to heal a physical sickness. What you will see is Jesus commanding the sickness to leave. So he'll just go in Jesus' name. Well, he doesn't. He's Jesus. But um, <laughs> he would just say, come out or go or be healed. It is a direct command. And so when we're praying for healing for someone, whether it's back issues, knee issues, one thing or another, and we discern that it is a physical issue, then we command it. So when I'm praying for people who've got cancer, I'll command the cancer to die in Jesus' name. Or I'll, I'll command it to be benign in Jesus' name. We had an 11-year-old boy in our church who had a, a brain cancer. Parents were looking at all kinds of surgery. He was starting to have fits. And so we got together with the parents and we prayed and we just commanded that cancer to die. And it did. One scan... It was active. The next scan, it was dead. It was still there, but it was dead. No surgery, no chemo, nothing. 
So when you come to praying for physical um, aspects, it, it's all about commanding it in Jesus' name. Not in your name, not in your righteousness, but in Jesus' name. When it comes to emotional healing, you don't want to be commanding anything because that's really insensitive to people who are going through emotional or, um, or, or issues of damaged soul. So trauma and uh, issues like that are all emotional issues. We see this when Jesus is teaching and there's some people who have a friend on a mat and they can't get into the room and they climb up onto the roof they make a new skylight for the owners. I'm sure they were happy with that. And they drop him at the feet of Jesus. And what does Jesus say? He says, your sins are forgiven. So get up and walk. So whatever was keeping his legs from moving was not a physical thing. It was an emotional thing. He needed to know that his sins were forgiven. He needed that, that emotional freedom to come from God. And then the healing came. And I've spent a long time praying with people, as I said, with mental health issues. And I can tell you that the number one thing that brings freedom for people who have got mental health issues is forgiveness. Both forgiveness from God and forgiving other people. And I've had to sit with women who have been raped Women who have been abused. And I said, look, I, I can appreciate that you don't want to hear this. But if you want healing from what's going on in your life, we need to talk about forgiving your abuser. Now, I go on to talk about what forgiveness is, and it's not forgiving and forgetting. It's relinquishing the right to judge or seek revenge. That's the biblical understanding of forgiveness. And if you don't forgive someone, Jesus says you will not be forgiven. Lord's Prayer with me. This is a whole nother sermon. I'm not going to go there. But Lord's Prayer with me. Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those around us. And in Matthew's Gospel, he doubles down at the end of the Lord's Prayer and says, Therefore, if you don't forgive your brother, then you will not be forgiven. And a lot of people who struggle with, with mental health, not everyone, probably not you, but, you know, the other ones. Okay. I, I see forgiveness bringing more freedom than anything else. I've seen bipolar healed through forgiveness. Wow. I've seen people who have been to psychologists and, and every, every medication and totally gone, Barry, is there anything God can do? I've reached the end of my rope and seen their life transformed by forgiveness. And forgiveness is an emotional healing that will come in people's lives. The other things that we can uh, also need... Uh, healing from is the lies that we tell ourselves. That's why it's important to read scripture. So it's important to allow scripture to shape us instead of us shape scripture. 
because scripture therefore shines a light on the, on the lies that we believe ourselves. And maybe the lie that you believe tonight is that God can't heal you. That's a lie. We don't see that in scripture. Or self-promises that you made yourself as a, as a kid in some way, shape or form where you just say, I'll never let people hurt me again. I don't, want it, I don't want my heart to be stomped on any longer. And so we make self-promises to ourselves to protect ourselves. And we need healing from those. They're the kind of emotional soul sort of wounds that we need to allow God to bring healing into. And the last one is, is spiritual. And again, this is a whole other sermon, but... Spiritual is is that we have open doors in our lives to allow the evil spirits of this world or the unclean spirits, depending on how you see it, to speak into our lives. Those dark thoughts are not just dark thoughts. They're evil thoughts. And they come from an evil... So am I saying that you're possessed? Not at all. I'm saying that there's an open door. And trauma and pain and unforgiveness and all those things can allow these doors to be open and God wants to close them to bring your healing. And so, you know, for my daughter, back when she was 11 years old, there was a spiritual influence in her life that we needed to get out. And we did. So they're the three areas that they play off against each other We've got to learn to ask God, which one am I praying for here, God? Because a physical wound might not be a physical wound, it might be an emotional. An emotional wound might not be an emotional wound, it might be a a spiritual one. And we've got to come not just thinking that we know what to do, but seeking God of what he wants to do. Realising that it's not our job to heal, we don't have to defend God, God's timing has a part to play in it. And so maybe now is not the right time, but to keep on seeking God for your healing anyway because your right time might be the next time. And to keep on seeking his heart. Don't give up. Keep on asking. Healing doesn't rely on your faith or my faith. What it relies on is believing that God is a healing God. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.